Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for Sci-Fi's Expanse on Sci-Fi. That's what they call it, right? Yeah, Siffy. Hey, everybody. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 1, titled Fight or Flight. Uh, what do you think of this return of well, the Expanse? I was aware of the fact that I was starting to get um, really excited and, and building up this season. And I, as I got closer, I'm like, man, I'm not sure if I should be doing this because... Yeah, keep expectations it's, low. It's the season premiere and like maybe there's a lot of setup and there was a huge betrayal in the crew. And that's going to be very tricky to like navigate believably and emotionally. And like the whole system is poised for war. Like, you know, like it, it might take all season for that to develop. Fuck me. This episode was incredible. Uh, like it did it just came right in the middle of things and deftly accelerated the action, plunged the entire solar system in the war, tear, tore apart and put together the crew back in what I thought was a very believable way, added more emotional depth to like Fred Johnson and his relationship with Drummer. Uh had a pretty like a, a very short but awesome all out space battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Draper stomping around in power armor. It <laughs> fuck. It was a great. It was a great episode, man. It was, yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm going to come into every episode saying this. I just really enjoy watching this show. Yeah. Um, it's not just the attention to detail, but it's the characters that I love. Like all, all of it feels just so easy and so natural. Yeah. Um, like I'm never working to watch this show. And right. That's a kind of a rarity nowadays, yeah. um, especially coming off you know some of the other shows we've covered. Mm-hmm. Um, those are harder to watch. This one just feels so good. Yeah, yeah. So get used to me saying, "Hey, this was a great episode." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will tell you if I don't like it, but yeah. chances are, I was also scared. Like, because you know the thing is, this show is not getting the audience it deserves. Yeah, uh, I got to think from sci-fi's perspective, and I don't know. Maybe leaving it on Amazon is doing good things for them, or having it on the sci-fi app is like there's more. I'm sure there's more stats that I'm not aware of, but you know, if you just look at the raw numbers, it's kind of eh. But and I was worried that like maybe they would like start trying to decrease the budget, hmm. you yeah. know, uh, because the, the expanse is on that shaky line where the effects work is really really good, and sometimes like the dodgy stuff stands out more than others. But I'm like, you know, maybe this show would still work like with Doctor Who levels of budget or something. And I'm like, sure. the temptation to do that must be very strong. But if anything, I feel like they just keep plowing money into it. So which yeah. is. That's the way to go. Like, uh, I, I, I keep maybe this is the season where people will be like, no, really, if you have any affection for science fiction at all, you should watch this goddamn show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is about the time that we got into Breaking Bad mm-hmm. season, season right. three, season four. There is precedent, and, and for that, that kind of sure. just steamrolled. So I'm right. hoping that the same will happen here with this excellent show. Right. It looks like the um, ratings for this first episode were about six point five three million viewers. Or sorry. Point six five three. Oh, I thought viewers. you were going to say, holy no, 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 no. shit, that's like <laughs> 10 times last year. Yeah, no, it was uh, less than a million, but um, there are shows that have gone to their natural conclusion with fewer viewers. I'm thinking of like Call and Catch Fire, yeah. stuff like that. Um, so I'm hopeful that sci-fi, they're, they're kind of banking on, I think this was one of like five pillar shows that they were mm-hmm. talking about. Back saw, in like 2015, yeah, um, that they were hoping to kind of reignite the the love of sci-fi uh, as a network, and I think this is starting to do it. Like they've, I think they had Z Nation. I think that's the, that the network that it was on, which I loved. Uh, it's ridiculous and stupid. It's nothing like this show, right. but um, the Expanse 
with the expanse, I feel like sci-fi is starting to get in, back into that Battlestar Galactica territory. Right. Where it's like, oh, okay, sci-fi doesn't just make schlocky, ridiculous Sharknado right. movies and, and shit Z like Nation, that. frankly. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't escape the advertising for Krypton, which is their oh, new kind it. of like... Uh, yeah, if you watch it on the Sci-Fi app or Sci-Fi proper, uh, it's all over the place because and it Let looks me like guess, a very it's a Batman thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Oh, okay. The cool. reimagining of Clark Kent, uh, Martha Kent, uh, you know, clutches Kryptonian pearls as she dies in Kryptonian crime alley. Uh, but no, it looks like a very big budget depiction of like essentially Superman on Krypton or like the the, the backstory of Superman. I okay. I, I keep. I, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it looks slick and it looks like it's going to try to come after like the CW's uh, Flash eyeballs, maybe uh-huh. uh, Supergirl eyeballs. Uh, and it's it's smart to keep you know building these things and casting wider genre nets. I would like to see sci-fi's return to glory. That'd be nice. Yeah, you know our normal division of labor is you come up with the recap, I come up with the feedback. Uh, uh, however, we've kind of inverted one of the staples of like the I am the non-book reader and you are the book reader, and I'm seeing yeah. people fairly freely use book spoilers in the feedback. Which <laughs> why wouldn't they? Sure, we said we're re- representing. So like, I think maybe we want to flip those responsibilities flip going forward. I do feedback, you do the outline, yeah, 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 recap, yeah, just sure. so that way preserve my my book uh, my book reader virginity um, and allow yeah. allow you guys to speculate in a spoiler section maybe if you guys want. Um, Here's the thing about the the books I. From what I understand um, from listening to the Churn podcast, where Mm -hmm. they have the writers on uh, pretty regularly, this week they were talking about how there are some fundamental things from the books that they're going to change, which has me sort of nervous, but also I have a lot of faith in the writers here. Um, They've produced a series of seven books, which are critically acclaimed. I've read three of them. I thought they were outstanding. Um, They've produced a TV series now, two seasons of which have been excellent. Um, so I have a lot of faith in these writers to not pull like a walking dead where they, they do this change up of the plot and they start mixing and matching, uh, pairing different people off, killing different people. And, and it just turns to shit. Yeah. Here I have a little more faith that that will work because of the writing pedigree. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the walking dead because (laughs) I don't know nearly as much about the situation as you do. Um, so I'm going to play devil's advocate and say Robert Kirkman wrote a very well regarded comic book series that was considered genre defining and very interesting uh, genre defying uh. even and he was an executive producer of The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. yet the Kirkman remixes largely contributed to destroying The Walking Dead uh, yeah. Why? so are, are the two authors actually showrunners or are they just EPs because from what I understand they are like in the writers the Coens room. are also executive producers of Fargo the TV series and have zero yeah. involvement other than yeah I guess it's cool for you guys to stomp around in our sandbox right right just essentially borrowing the license from them yeah um, th- no from what I understand the the writers j- the two writers who are James S.A. Corey are heavily involved in the writing room okay. when they're coming up with this stuff so that's why I have a lot more faith. Like you have the original creator who I, I have a lot of trust. Um, and, and frankly, there's a lot of evidence saying they're great writers. Right. Um, so I, 
I don't really think that it's going to be as much of a problem. Well, and I guess I would not be as worried about the Kirkman remixes on The Walking Dead if the whole time he was saying, like, these are changes that I would have made if I had known in the beginning what I know after writing episode 130. And in hindsight, with adaptation to streamline, with the eye towards streamlining, uh, you know, I think that, that that would make me feel a lot better. So if, uh, hopefully it'll it'll uh, steer more. I mean, we're three seasons in, and I haven't seen any cracks. And you, as a book reader, saying that like it looks like the changes they made have been smart and beneficial. So like, I, yeah. yeah, I guess I have faith in that. Also, and, and listening to them talk about this on the podcast, right? They seem to understand the changes they're making and how right. they affect the story and why they're they have good rationales for making the changes, right? As opposed to just hey, wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> right, right? So. Uh, okay, well, that's, I think, what I wanted to cover in the preamble. Should we get into the the recap proper? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we open with what I Oh, can... wait, are we switching on the fly right now? To what? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I was ready. Um, I mean, wait a second, I don't have any emails ready to go. I mean, that's the hilarious thing about the... Is I essentially come up with a full fucking recap... Yeah. that I just provide color commentary for. So yes, please, okay, lead the at recap. least for this episode, for this, I gotta final, do for the this recap. final episode, lead the, lead the recap. All right. So we zoom out from the dismantled Arbogast at Venus to Earth, Mars, the belt, and finally Ganymede with uh, radio broadcast at each location. And at Venus, it's talking about the experts having trained their sensors on Venus after the incident. Um, Earth uh, says, hey, the, the UNN has deployed their ships in a defensive pattern, Essentially, at Mars, it claims that the Martians are ready if Earth brings war, and it seems to be business as usual in the belt, Yeah, I think. And then there's this huge raging battle that's going on at Ganymede, right. which is pretty intense, and I thought actually looked really awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, we only get 10 seconds of it, but mm-hmm. what we see is just what you want to see out of this kind of ship combat. Yeah, it was a really great way, this opening uh, animation, to catch us up on, on where we are. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the state of essentially the universe here right for for all we care uh i thought it was really really effective yeah and i'm like there's a lot of questions i have about this kind of warfare like it seems with the fragility of the ships like there is this it's like all these ships are essentially paper kites that are loaded with flamethrowers that shoot omnidirectional (laughs) so it seems like maybe one of the things that will constrain the universe and this is me speculating is the fact that war is just horrifically expensive. Mm, yeah. Like, you throw 30 ships against 29 ships, and one ship will walk away from that. It's not like in an Earth battle where someone gets, you know, some superiority, and then there's a tactical retreat, and you only lost 10% on both sides. And, like, it's just going to be very decisive, brutal battles. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, if you achieve space supremacy... The other planet is fucked yeah. because you can drop shit from orbit just kinetically, like drop a you know a fifty pound barrel out yeah. the airlock and it's going to hit the ground somewhere and hurt. Drop oh I don't know an asteroid maybe right <laughs> yeah like once one side achieves that space superiority it's and they kind of yeah. like they talk about the total victory nature of these stakes where you know like if if, if Mars wins and you know there's Earth becomes a colony of Mars not the other way around I thought that's really cool yeah it's interesting because you're right in a scenario like that i think that the tools would turn more political right like mm-hmm. what avrasarla and aaron Ryder are doing like right there you you play this public game of perception right uh you, you know you can't really blockade mars can you right <laughs> like they're an earth colony yeah. what, are, what are we doing here but you know some people will 
have different opinions. Yeah, and I'm wondering if also, because this reminds me of the start of World War One, where a lot of people had a lot of ideas about how battle would look in a new mechanized form, but like yeah. you had the French riding horses uh-huh. into battles against with sabers, and, yeah. and you had the Germans with their 100-meter-long cannons and iron-plated battleships, and mm-hmm. I wonder if there'll be a change to where you know the ships are tougher and maybe less lethal so you'll have more conventional kind of naval style battles. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because it's correct if I'm wrong. There hasn't been a giant space battle. I mean, this is probably the biggest one we've seen. But I'm so talking far. about like in the history of the of the solar system. Like Earth and Mars never went to all out war. Mm-mm. Like Mars Not, declared its independence, and it was like a more of a political coup. But yeah. there certainly wasn't a, a a battle on this stage and. I was interesting because Earth's got the numerical superiority, but Mars has got the qualitative qualitative advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right, so we go to Aaron Wright convincing the Secretary General to officially declare war on Mars. Um, yeah, I don't know. So this is interesting. Apparently, they're gonna they're talking like they're gonna keep Sean Doyle around for a while because he's doing such a good job as an uh-huh. actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one of the scenes where That's he's Aaron really Wright. great. Yeah. Um, and later on, he has a scene that's even better, in my yeah. opinion. But uh, I- I'm usually a little wary of this because it does fundamentally change things in the story. Mm-hmm. But then I look at, like, you know, Breaking Bad, where they kept Jesse around right. far longer than they ever intended. Right. Um, there, you didn't have, like, source material to screw mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So it was a little, a little different. But here, I-, I like this actor. I'm curious what they're going to do with him because this is, like, a total changeup from the books. He's almost oh. like a kind of a throwaway character interesting in a lot of ways yeah i'm i'm wondering because there's a lot of ways you can expand things without necessarily ruining like a plot like if just to add depth and shading and detail yeah so you arrive at the same destination but it's a richer richer more meaningful voyage and i think the battle between him and avrasarla is so fascinating yeah and it's, it doesn't it's seem like so it's good. over no like, no, like just when it seemed like Christian was going to win, although I don't know that they it would be proper to describe them as adversaries until the end of last season. Yeah. Where she certainly had, like, a dominating political situation over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just that quickly turns the tables and keeps the tables turned. Like, yeah. it's, uh, she's going to have to play defense for a while, maybe. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that's, that's fascinating. And the fact that he's using... Large doses of truth to conceal these lies, these mm-hmm. bald-faced, terrible lies, and how the Secretary General, you know, it's like, he's correct to say this is my moment and my call to make, but then, you know, when your advisors are giving you bad information and, you know, like, it's, it's a bunch of truisms, like, this will be the moment where you forge your legacy, yeah, but that cuts both ways because it could be the yeah. point where you become uh, fucking Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King or could be the moment where you become Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler. Right. Uh, so which, yeah, which, which... You still have to make the right choice. Right. It's not... <laughs> yeah, making the choice is the easy fucking part. Right. So Signing I, the papers. But it's, you know, like, polit- that's that's got to be the shit shitty part of being a politician. At some point, you mm-hmm. just got to, like, okay, trust your gut, trust your advisors, and in this case, trusting your advisors is going to is gonna lead you down a bad bad path. Yeah, especially when you're the guy who is going to break the peace here, right? Or yeah. the, the tenuous grasp on peace that and they've had yeah, the, for hundreds of years. The stakes are so high. It's not like, well, if you do this thing, our GDP will decrease 5% over the next 10 years. It's like right. you do this thing and Mars will have us by the balls and there's nothing we can ever do to get 
out of that situation. Like if 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 Earth loses this conflict, oh sure, yeah, and also Mars. Every day we wait, Mars gets stronger and stronger. Right. Like I mean, it's it just it. This is the fear that this is the fear that always fucks with humanity. Like oh shit, the only thing worse than our assholes running things is the other guys' assholes. Because who even knows? And there's even they even play like there's like these themes that work. They're wheels within wheels where. Like, you see the crew, the Rossinati, making this decision of microcosm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go with Johnson because he's the devil we know. Yeah. And we have some leverage over him versus trusting. It's I, I, That's that's why I think it, it works so well and is so, so endlessly fascinating to watch. Speaking of the crew, the Rossinati, they're cleaning up the mess caused by the proto-being. That's what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... They, the proto-manicule. Proto manicule, manicule. I'm just like he's like proto man. I was going to say uh-huh. proto man, but then that's a little too mega manny. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm gonna go with proto being, which includes blasting the residual proto molecule to atomic dust. Uh-huh. He's got this little handheld. It looks like a handheld engine on the back of the ship. Yeah. Uh, that he's just running over all this blue goo. Uh, Prax is haunted by this proto being. He's seeing it in his in his daydreams. Uh, Alex tries to convince Amos not to break up the family by leaving the ship. But Amos has been thoroughly disillusioned by Naomi's betrayal, uh, and Holden goes out and removes the ship's name to conceal their identity. Um, man, there's so much to say about this because I. There's the other reason I love the show is like during the scene, I'm like, there's no fucking way these guys with flamethrowers are going to get a visual scan and completely decontaminate the ship. But mm-hmm. I guess, oh well, I'll have to assume that this goes to plan. Nah. <laughs> 20 minutes later, the show's yeah. like, got you, Aaron. Uh, so I, I thought that was really cool. Also, you're right. The stuff with Amos is excellent, and they've yeah. they've really painted his character as this guy who just subletted his consciousness or his conscious out to someone he trusted or thought had a better handle and now mm-hmm. he's starting to become like his own man to makes his own decisions um and i yeah yeah this is this crew this tight-knit group of four right. people five i guess if you count prax he's he's not quite as tight-knit yet but he's getting there um they really is, cemented him as a crew member this yeah, this episode yeah um he's naming the ship for god's sake yep. so that's that's pretty crew member uh it, this is where they do their best characterizations in my mm-hmm. opinion like you can talk about like avasarla and aaron Wright, and you can talk about bobby draper i think she's a great character mm-hmm. too but here is where the heart of the show is and right. that that is something that i really enjoy watching just right. the interactions of these four characters even when it's under duress. It's it's in tough times right now. Right, and I I also like the fact when they're painting over the Rasanati, which I sh- I found shocking that they're going to rename the. And I don't know if they're actually going to rename it or if that's just going to be like the false flag or like. Oh, that's, I, I think it'll get. It's kind of like kind of like you know when like Jack Aubrey and Master and Commander paints over the surprise with Cyrene. Yeah, it yeah. goes right back to surprise after he's done whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, whatever bullshit he's he's doing against the enemy captain. So, like, is it still but, but the Rasanathi, like, or is that a spoiler? Um, I guess that would be a spoiler. It's probably a spoiler because I'm thinking like, when will they have an opportunity to not have to go under the radar? Right. It doesn't seem like, like Earth wants their asses. They, Mars they wants really their lay, ship. They really lay that case out, and the yeah. belt is just greedy to get an advantage over the other guys. And this is a giant fucking a poker chip, right? Yeah. 
So they, yeah, there is no real safe haven where they can be their own their own people. But like just yeah. the physical act of painting over to Rossinati felt like such a begin like a turning mm-hmm. the page onto a new chapter. Of the <laughs> like, show. can you imagine if Picard goes out and just starts spraying over DC one seven over off the ship? Yeah, it would be like well, how holy, would that feel? It would not. It would feel like it, a new generation, for yeah. example. Um, the other thing is. Uh, this this theme of like Amos being skeptical of we're the only ones that can fix this, but I think they're setting up this thing where like by the crew consistently doing the right thing in the moment, they're going to mm-hmm. be positioned because it seems like it's going to be only natural for them to be the ones to be able to kind of rescue Bobby and Christian, mm. which is going because like Mildly they're interesting. They are <laughs> they are. <laughs> Very, very nicely done because they are it seems like they're the fit because they're all they're the two people in the solar system the two groups in the solar system that have no country um and they hmm. have yeah. in like things that each other desperately need like holden needs information to figure out what the fuck to do mm-hmm. and uh christian and bobby need firepower and and to, to protect them so, like, yeah. it seems like a, a, a natural pairing. Um, <laughs> and they probably need somebody who can get a message out. Because, like, she's got, at this point, that communication log about um, Aaron Wright. Yeah, I was assume. I mean, the thing is, is I'm not assuming that that's, like, just because they got the buffer that, like... Because it does seem like, I don't know, that that will be just, like, an obvious smoking gun. Yeah, it will be. But will Aaron Wright... Like, how will that message come in? What will Aaron Wright do in reaction does to that it? Does ra- like, that Hot Rod not have, like, a communication system like i, I don't know that's, that's the thing I, I keep on thinking like I... do i believe the fact that this but maybe it's like it's only got fucking two seats and yeah. it's really stripped down and it's meant it's meant for speed it's built for speed right but still Not like it seems like being able to communicate like you'd have to, to for docking yeah and they're just like no nah, what this fucking high rod's coming in i guess it wants to do- open <laughs> it's up coming in hot six <laughs> jeeper right it's like <laughs> we better open the door either let her in or splatter against the buck the, the windshield <laughs> i yeah I don't know. Yeah. I, that, I, I don't know how much of that's going to be, because uh, that might stretch my credibility, but whatever. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so Bobby decides she's going to take control of the ship that they're on um, over Avrasarla's objections. She really doesn't want to be left alone with Kotiar, mm. uh, just afraid for her life. And uh, she goes to get that engineer she roughed up last, last season. Which I love because, like, one of the things I said is, like, you know, I would love to see the aftermath of that, but probably not going to. I get to see the aftermath of it. She hauls him out of the locker. She stuffed him in. And I thought, it, yeah, like, he's he, she went pretty easy on him. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, Bobby's not the type that's just going to, like, ruthlessly kill, kick your ass and break your bones if she doesn't have to. But, sure. But she, will, she did slap him around a bit. I can't remember if we saw this last season, but... Mag hands. Mm-hmm. Did, did we see that last season? Because I don't know why, but it didn't occur to me that she might have magnets in her hands. Yeah, like, like I feel like a combat a combat suit would have to have those built into it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Like she just sticks her, her hands on the door and dude, opens it up like a piece of cake. Her stomping around and the power armor yeah. doing cool shit and like things I like like the fact that she's got r- retro jets to. I mean, I saw her doing a bunch of cool stuff in the very beginning of season two. That was a long time ago. Mm. Like her jumping down that huge elevator shaft and master chiefing it up was yeah cool. It really was. Uh, so we go back over to the Rasenante or. I guess the, the the 
penis court contorter. <laughs> I don't. What? I, I, I'm not buying that this guy. This story about the pines having to die. This guy just wanted a stupid name on the ship. Yeah, I the thought, penis contorter. The, get out of the here. The penis contortionist. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's what I. It's like yeah, it's, it's pines, sure, but mm-hmm. um, also when she asked him for the new name, I thought sure he's going to go with me, uh, May. Yeah, yeah. That, but, that seems the obvious one. Yeah, but he went with the, the penis contort, contorter. Well, he's in a different headspace. You know, he's starting to come to terms with this idea that he may never know what happened to May. True. So and, maybe he doesn't want that reminder. And it fits the literary, like, you know, the Rossinati was uh, um, the horse of uh, fucking the guy that tilted at windmills that I've completely forgotten Don about. Don Quixote. Don Quixote, thank you. Um, and that was described... You the crew of the Rossinati very well. These people tilting at windmills, yeah. um, you know, half imagined giants that might have been real, and now this thing that's I guess named after a species of pine that can only seed when there's a forest fire mm-hmm. um, is cool. Like you know that this it's it's kind of like the you know in the the USS Phoenix essentially, mm-hmm. but a less well-worn fantasy trope. Everyone knows what a fucking phoenix, a phoenix sure. does. No one knows what a penis contortionist also, does. Also, there's got to be a ship named the Phoenix. There is yeah. not a ship named Penis Contorter. Yeah, I yeah. tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, this is wisdom of the penis, or pines. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, I, I like this little touch where Prax is kind of looking like he's in an overstuffed you remember in the christmas story where they bundle up ralphie and he goes outside or ralphie's little brother i think it is yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and he goes outside and he can't put his arms right, down he's got like eight he's layers, up. yeah prax is kind of doing that with the zero g effect here uh-huh. which i really like no that that's touch. i that i i remember being critical of that last season is like man they do so much attention to detail but when these people are stomping around in zero G, absent of like, well, I mean, Bobby's not stomping around in zero G, but absence of like power arm or something, when they're just at rest, their hand, their arms should just flow. And that just such a small thing would be so much more convincing. And fucking Prax did it. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes. They're learning. Also, the um, I think it has to be super handy if you're working on something to not need like, oh, a surface to set this tool down on. Right. You just reach just out. Clunk. You, yep. you just stick it in the air, you know? Yep. yep. It's really cool. Uh, so we go over to Fred who sends a message to Anderson Dawes telling him, hey, I got the proto molecule and we should work together for the good of the belt. Uh, I kind of expected this union between Anderson and Fred. Now, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing i think drummer is right to worry about Anderson no. Dawes getting involved. in fact i was warring with myself about if this is a smart move at all because it's kind of like you know when we talk on the 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 walking dead like with negan and rick and the various subs like once you've been backstabbed it doesn't matter how much logical sense it makes um you just like if you can't trust a person not to fuck you, then true, yeah. you're just essentially making them more powerful, and they'll take every, they'll steal everything away from you again. And and I don't know, maybe the only thing that makes it work is like maybe Fred realizes that, and he just doesn't care because he feels like he has like he has to do what's right for the belt, right? And if he dies or gets thrown out an airlock, then that's mm-hmm. him atoning for his his atrocities. Yeah, and he realizes. I don't that- know, but I, I, that's a subtext that is certainly there, and yeah. uh, that's why I'm not like ah, this is bullshit because he might know that and not not care. No, I think it makes a lot of sense both from uh, Fred's perspective and also Drummer's objections to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think make perfect sense. You know, like 
neither of these characters feels like they're being foolish in the moment. Right. But they both have opposing objectives, which is something that makes the writings just come alive. Yes. When like, everybody's doing the thing they should be doing and it causes tension. Like, you can have characters do stupid and risky things, yeah. but just have them acknowledge it, you know? Right. Have have the other smart people say, like, have you thought this through? That seems... And mm-hmm. also, they serve as proxy for the viewers because the viewers, for sure, if they're smart, are going to be asking these questions. So it just might as well address them in the show. Yeah. Um, and it, it excites me because I know that there's going to be a lot of power jockeying here yes. between Fred and Anderson. Right. Uh, and I can't wait to see and that. This and Jared is, Harris is so good. Uh, I want to see him return. And drawing the other, you know, the, the connection to this being Space Game of Thrones, this is what made early season Game of Thrones work so well because yeah. there's so many players with so many attachment points and points of friction and... Uh, you know, ways that they could use this web of entanglements uh, intelligently and politically. Uh, I I just think it's great. And instead, like Game of Thrones seems like, and of course, it's very late in its in its maturity, has severed a lot of those connections mm-hmm. because you got to bring it to like a potential end game. Like yeah. it just it still it still feels like things are accelerating here in yeah. the Expanse universe. And they could for quite some time. I mean, we're talking about right. being like into the second book, not quite through it right. yet. And there are planned nine books with seven already written. Damn. So this could be a long running show if if it if it finds the audience that it deserves. And that's the thing, like if 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 sci fi commits to that concept and, you know, gets four or five seasons in with it with it still holding up, uh, mm-hmm. with as far as the special effects and the intrigue, I think it will find it. It's just got to. Uh, TV this good deserves to, and I, I hope. But it, it does. might be just such a particular like it could be like if you just don't give a shit about science fiction at all, it's yeah. just you know it's just just too much of it, you know. But I don't know, I don't know because it doesn't feel like this all relies on very nuanced understandings of like space technology. <laughs> like it, you can, yeah, you that can makes make, it better for sure. But yeah. you don't need to know about Holtzman transfers and bullshit to to appreciate the, the damn. You have you have you yeah. don't have to play Kerbal effects. And yeah, you don't have to like play that, Kerbal yeah. space program for a hundred hours to to <laughs> enjoy the show. Yep. All right, we go back to Aaron Ride, who's informed that Avrasala is not dead. He gets a little text message. Uh, we go back over to Avrasarla's ship, her, and um, she tells Kotiar what's going to go down. The escort ship is going to try to recapture them. Um, and Kotiar is like, yeah, that you're probably right. And then Bobby walks back in uh, with her freaking power armor, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, we we talked about the, we forgot, we didn't forget to mention, but Bobby told Christian to hold, like, anyone but yeah. me walks in the door, and you can tell that Christian's never probably fired a firearm in her life, and when Bobby comes back in, she just opens up on her, uh-huh. which has no effect on her power, power armor. But I, what's your opinion on this kind of comedy relationship trio between Christian and Kotiar and uh, Bobby? Because I love it. So I can give you cover if you don't, but as, I think it's great. As okay, let's say I'm warming up to the actress who plays Avrasarla. Okay, um, her her delivery of certain lines in early seasons was really annoying to me, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was almost played for comic effect where there shouldn't have been any mm-hmm. and wasn't intended. But I I am warming up to her as I get more used to her. Um, but yeah, I, I I love Bobby Draper as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, everything she does is gold. Kotiar is kind of a kind of a nothing for me. Like I I don't really have any special affection toward Kotiar. Ooh. He could have blown up on this ship. See, he's my and, and been gone forever, and I wouldn't have cared. He's my favorite type of 
B-tier character. The mysterious uh, dude that has got secrets and skills and he's... You know, but everybody on the Rocinante is that. Like, I've got that in spades yeah, but, elsewhere. But I mean, I'm talking about there's a physical, like, and and like s- technical menace that even like you know, like 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 the closest on the Rocinante is Amos. Mm-hmm. But Amos is a club. This guy's a spear. If that makes, a, he's a little bit more chiseled and trained and yeah. knows where the vital areas of strike are. And I like he's the uh, fucking. Um, Shit, I've forgotten the guy from the Tom Clancy series. The John Clark type mysterious spy with with military training. And mm-hmm. it's like it's 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 an old kind of tropey character, but I like it and I like him. Yeah, I, I this is a good trio and I hope he survives. But this is the type of show where hell it wouldn't I would have been shocked if Bobby died. But the whole time, one of the reasons a lot of her shit in this episode worked for me is because like I'm no one like it very much similar to game of thrones i don't think that anyone is safe Mm, because someone could be it's the churn right and the show has done a good job so far of like convincing (laughs) me that the churn is a real thing yeah look at the quote-unquote doctor from season one right right just gets his head randomly blown and miller miller was the star of the show or one b of the show and i he i mean that character is dead for sure whether like the actor comes back in some kind of fucking glowy CGI <laughs> shit, I don't know. Uh, but like that, maybe that was Miller when they threw the uh, the thing off the ship, the radioactive core <laughs> yeah, off the ship. Sure. That was Miller. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't May. It's all Miller. Uh, all proto, <laughs> proto proto men are Miller at this point. <laughs> right. And that that actually might be a literally true statement with them them all be instantaneously neurally networked. Huh. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, but well, I, yeah, we'll talk about the the link here. But but I really minute. dug that Christian and Kotiar them gaming out the other t- side strategy is a great way of keeping us and the audience you know informed without a tedious cutaway shot of these dudes that we don't know and a ship that we don't know receiving a message about stuff that we already know and yeah. fire missiles you know like it's it's and a, it reinforces how smart our our cast of characters yeah and is. really tightly focused the P, the POV it's great yeah. Um, so Aaron Wright then tells the Secretary General that Avrasarla is involved in a conspiracy against the government and lays out his case. Uh, the guy buys it and tells Aaron Wright to apprehend her at all costs. This is a brilliant scene. Um, yeah. Both just the setup of it, um, the execution of it, and also the acting here. I think Sean right. Doyle does a, a great job. Right. Um keeping what i i kept expecting him to turn to the camera and wink mm-hmm. <laughs> like or or crack a smile or something that a less good show does would like do. a house of cards breaking the fourth wall right i i kept expecting like that little smile that told you hey i know i won here well, like the best and and the, the best line is the when he after he comes constructs this noose out of lies and bullshit Mm -hmm. but with 90 percent the truth and puts it on secretary general's neck and then kicks his leg back as he's going to kick the stool from underneath his feet and he hangs he says what what do you want me to do i've just presented you with information boss what 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 do you think must be done he knows goddamn well what's going to have to be done because he knows all the protocols he knows the political situation and he's engineered the facts to fit that manila folder listed you know plan 39b of the un security council when the assistant of the secretary general goes rogue with protomolecule like 
It's yeah. so fucking good. And the poor Secretary General is completely outmaneuvered. And, and appreh- apprehending her is not going to happen. I mean, this this scenario goes one way. <laughs> right. And it's Avrasarla resists and she right. gets killed, right? right? Like, that's the only possible outcome. Right. Like, sh- her coming peaceably. And, like, even if she comes peaceably, if, she, if, if Aaron Wright thinks she's got the goods on him... Mm-hmm. She'll still resist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> gun, gun, gun. You know, we know how this works on Earth. We know yep. how we know how this works. Um, the other thing I want to say is, can we talk about the morality of Aaron Wright? No, because okay. here's the thing: like, I want what morality. Well, but I think he, what well, he's right that like he does view Christian as his mother, but this mother tortures, but she fanatically tortures people she considers terrorists. Sure. And she has taught this man that Earth is always has to come first. Mm-hmm. And she has everything that he's been raised to do is leading him to make these decisions. Now, I'm not saying that he's a good guy or I'm I, I marvel his real politic. I'm just saying that I kind of feel sorry for, because he's just doing the things that she like. He wouldn't even be able to be doing what he's doing if it wasn't for Christian essentially setting up a shadow government with the U.N. where she's the boss. Mm -hmm. Like she subverted these democratic institutions to protect Earth. And then when she wouldn't go the one step further that this guy thinks she needs to go, uh, he betrays her in service of what he thinks Earth needs. And like I think, again, I deplore the ethics and morality but only because i'm an outside observer inside this thing it looks you could see that christian has just kind of betrayed her ideals they're shitty ideals but she's betrayed them well here here's the difference to me i always feel like i understand what christian is working toward Mm -hmm. um and it always seems to be on the side of protecting humanity um and, and keeping things from going over the edge whereas I don't know exactly what motivates Aaron Wright. I can't tell if it's simply power. I can't tell if he's if the things that he says he's doing for the good of Earth and right. the good of humanity are actually for the good of humanity. Because I could just as easily see him getting a hold of this proto molecule and using it for his own ends to yeah. for nefarious purposes. I just don't know. I don't have a good moral. I don't have a good ethical compass on well, this. Well, and that's guy the thing yet. is, like, part of it is because we don't have his full POV. Yeah. So, like, where we do have Christians, we see her make decisions along the Why way. We just see the, the reality. He's, yeah. he's kind of like this this more of a blank slate. Which is good. I, th- I think that's what that character needs. Right. Um, right. But that's why I don't want to say, hey, I think he's possibly doing the right thing here. Because oh, I just don't know what's going on. No, I think him. he's absolutely doing the wrong thing. <laughs> okay. But for. For under for for understandable reasons, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, like you know, for like 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 even Christian is just not like I don't know. She is kind of outraged. He's being a shit weasel. She said something about you know fusing his balls to a plate or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Bobby uh, cut her off, but yeah, no. I I just I just want to talk about the fact that he is not a a mustache twirling villain essentially. Oh yeah. Um, even though again. Uh, he's he's essentially a dictator, but so was Christian. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, we go over to Fred showing Drummer the uh, protomolecule sample that he's attained. Uh, she's pissed when he says that he told Dawes about it. That's kind of the whole scene here. Um, yeah, and like which sets up better stuff later. <laughs> her doing those inverted sit rips. Yeah. Or, or, uh, uh, 
sit-ups, mm-hmm. not sit-reps, sit-ups, um, slowly ripping her stomach wound open. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a great way to show, like, how fucking angry she is and also, like, just how tough she is as well. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, and, yeah, you're right. This just efficiently sets up the confrontation we'll get to here in a minute. Yeah. Um, the, the the churn, I, I do recommend listening to the churn. It's Sci-Fi's official Expanse podcast. They were talking about how they were fretting over, oh, man, how are we going to rig this thing up so that she can do these sit-ups, these crunches? She just does them. And, and she was like, you know, I could just fucking do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I could just do it. Is that uh-huh. cool? And, yeah, she just does them. Nice. Uh, so we go over to Naomi approaching Alex and Amos, trying to convince them to go to Tycho. Uh, perhaps her most compelling argument is that they'll never have to see her face again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we leave, or when she leaves, we see residual protomolecule that has gone unnoticed inside the ship. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. hey, shout out to, to Aaron, who's calling bullshit on the fact yep. that they could catch all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't believe they didn't poke their heads down there and look in the one place where the alien or the protomolecule was. Well, like I thought they did furiously they, ripping into the ship. I thought they did. They took up the deck panels all around, but like they just they just missed a spot. Like you know, because the other thing is the thing it's was glowing. bleeding. It, it's fucking it, glowing. It's like oh, I missed that neon tube that was but sitting it, next if to it's me. It's not right here. Up. It's somewhere. Because again, yeah. how the fuck with just a merely visual scan would they be able to get to all of the without a full clean sweep? And also, I don't know how much of a danger this is because it's still unclear to me whether this thing is aerosol um whether that this thing just left alone feeding on radiation can turn into its own kind of fucking organism right like can it take over the ship mm-hmm. i i'm not does it I, need some kind of biomass to interact with yeah like there's so much i don't know about it i know this is it could be even an opportunity not a threat of like, what if Fred Johnson loses because Dawes fucking fucks him over again uh-huh. and steals it for himself? Oh, like God. maybe the Rossinati becomes a living petri dish for him. Yeah, all those possibilities are on on the table. Or maybe Holden has to scuttle the ship because he realizes there's still right proto molecule on board. Right. I don't know. Uh, is it is it just me or is the the actor I, whose name I can't think of Cass Cass Anvar? I think is maybe his name Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he getting in better shape? Because in the books, Alex is supposed to be like a guy with a gut who's over the hill and kind of just dumpy. And in season one, he is very much that. Like, he's got a gut on him, stuff like that. But Does here he's, he just dressed he's like trimmer. a freighter, whereas now he's in a uniform. I think uh, it's a little uniform. both. I think he's getting a little trimmer. Maybe they're showing that, like, as he gets increased purpose and drive, that he's taking better care of himself yeah. or he's finding himself a mission. Hashtag not my Alex. Uh, but no i thought this was great because you know the crew is split and everyone's pissed off but and i was wondering like why naomi's not confined to the fucking brig or something um (laughs) but she is she is talking like okay you might hate me but this is out of all our options the best one and she's right and it and it and it curries it it curries favor with these people even though they they hate her. So it's a great way to start you know reknitting I guess those old wounds and then essentially James at the end of the episode uh, running an opposite scam on her I think is kind of like going 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 to completely solve the problem. We'll see, but it depends yeah. on her reaction to it for sure. Um, so then we get a scene of Bobby taking the bridge with let's say a fair dose of help from Cotiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets totally just taken out by this 
Is it, it like we, a, we don't even see what it is, but it electrocutes her suit and kind of just shuts it down momentarily. Yeah, it's like she stepped through an EMP field or something. Yeah. But I thought it was... I, I, I don't need to explain them to explain the technology. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe it exists. Yeah. And uh, Kyotiar, let Kyotiar be badass, even though he's half the Kyotiar he should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that scene. Then we go over to Amos telling Holden that their best bet is to go to Tycho. Uh, he's agreed with Naomi, I guess. And when Holden goes for coffee, Naomi tries to start a conversation, but he shuts her down. And then as she leaves, he smashes the malfunctioning coffee maker. Spectacular fashion. Prax stepping in says, you should try tea. I, I, I like the dry humor on the show. Yeah, no, it's great. Also, I'm starting to warm up to Space Jon Snow here because Holden, mm-hmm. like his reaction to getting Amos uh, saying, like, I think we should go to Tycho. It's the best thing. Like, he's not like, oh, this is bullshit. There's not this, like... He does what I think a leader should do, which is calmly absorb the information and not make a rash decision either way. But, like, all right. Um, Even though he knows it's Naomi's request, right? Right. He, he could rightfully be so mad at her that he just right. refuses to do anything she says. Right, but that's a shitty leader to, that would cut the nose off your entire crew's face just despite it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think they're setting up some really interesting ideas here between Holden and Naomi with the, with the – kind of rift that's between them and mm-hmm. and like you said you know the the two competing ideas of where they should go here because mm-hmm. um, Naomi is objecting to the end mm-hmm. you know even even after everyone has laid out the case hey we think that this is where May went and we promised to help this guy and this is what we're going to do and and Holden does decide to follow that showing that he's the good person that right that Amos thought Naomi was right, um, and then Naomi's standing there objecting to it, like yeah, like they don't have a responsibility to Prax, and that saving their ass is the only thing. That that tension, and I think it's perfect to have Amos caught between the two. Yes, because now his his loyalties might be shifting over to Holden, you know? or I, as he oh, sees that Holden is the man he thought Naomi was before. Right, or what I hope is happening is that he is deciding, like, you know, I have a gut that I can trust, too. Sure, yeah. You know, like, it's like, I... These people are just de- determining or have proved to me that the churn is not an adequate explanation for all the facts. It's like, you uh, know, when they first, like, try to decide how the planets were moving around, they had these ideas about celestial spears and crystal things and, like, but it doesn't explain why the planets wobble, and you just keep... Like Amos is this early astronomer continuing to update his orbital mechanics as as he gets new information, and mm-hmm. eventually maybe he can be like, "Hey, I can I can start making my own calls here." Yeah, um, which I think, which might not be what I think Holden wants, honestly. Uh, yeah, no. The one question like, I have that's is that's a scary guy, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, like I'm saying, like if if it's just my like if if it's if if everyone disagrees on who runs the ship. Amos will run the ship because he can beat everyone else's ass with his with his left hand tied behind his back. Right. So if it's just a might makes right, it's going to be yeah, uh, you know, Amos Amos Rex. Uh, <laughs> the other question I have is, I don't. How much of Holden's eventual IO plan is because it's the right thing to do, and how much of it is him experimenting with politics? Because he does want to stick it to Naomi. And because because there's it, he's not divorced from emotion. Him, him destroying the coffee yeah, maker. Yeah. There's there. I, I don't know whether that's ten percent or like ninety percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this 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 appeal to the crew's uh, noble wanting to do things right side is is him politically stunting on her. It could be. Yeah, 
Um, I, I also find it really interesting how deftly they're navigating this tension between Holden and Naomi yeah. on a personal relationship right. because, you know, he, you see the rest of the crew kind of lashing out at her. Yeah. Um, and, and later on Holden kind of ignores her a little bit yep. when he's explaining the plan, but I don't, I don't think he's intentionally doing that necessarily. I think this scene with the coffee maker is, is really nuanced mm-hmm. um, in, 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 <laughs> A scenario where he could rightfully be far more angry at her and and far more outerly angry at her. You know, he's fuming inside, but he also understands that he can't just write her off. Yeah. And and he's trying to come to terms with both of those things. And you can almost see it like we give you know, we give him a lot of shit for being Space John Snow. Uh but I think you can see that in his performance. Like it's coming through in his eyes and stuff. Like He's he's rounding into this character, yes, um, and kind of becoming the Holden that I saw in the books a right. lot quicker than I expected. Well, and like I think that you learn on the job to some extent as well, because like you know, sure. look at Dean Norris in season one of Breaking Bad versus Dean Norris in the final season of Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not the same guy. Now, mm-hmm. was Dean Norris always capable of that, or did working for a couple years with Brian Cranston and Vince Gilligan, like, he had the tools necessary, but he needed to refine it and practice it and and see and inhabit the character? Like, it, it's entirely... Like, this is a young guy who, you know, isn't, like, a, a blockbuster star, uh, hasn't had a lot of reps. Like, I, it could just be that he's getting better, you know? Yeah. Uh, that that and and I think that if you work with a, a team of professionals where you're that that's my experience when you work with a team of professionals everyone's excellence kind of raises the bar for everybody sure. so like I'm quickly losing whatever reservations I had about the primary cast members okay I will say this this Theo guy the thirty second pilot in line for you know Mao's Ma- uh, uh, vehicle uh, I hope he doesn't become a main cast member. Because I don't know that he's got it. You know the one that Bobby's beating up and bullying? Oh, the, the little engineer guy? Yeah, because, like, when I when Just I sm- my, when I made my prediction of um, how it seems like Bobby and Christian should be part of the Rossinati crew, you know, it seems like Kotiar and this Theo guy is a package that comes along with that. Unless they blew up this episode. Um, I'm cool with Kotiar, yeah. but I don't know about this, this Theo guy. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm Maybe he sure just dies, that. and that's like a ch- that's some cheap that's some cheap heat that the writers yeah. will throw in. Like no one really cares about Theo, but you you knew his face. He's <laughs> around for two seasons technically. He helped our main character, and he just died gruesomely. So yeah. you know, feel something. Uh, so the escort ship launches torpedoes at Avrasarla. Uh, Kotiar says they should all get to the racing ship in the hangar bay. Oh, and, and by the way, <laughs> everyone knows this, but in this show, launching torpedoes isn't an instant thing, right? Like, they have millions of kilometers to cover. Right. So, like, they've got 17 minutes before the torpedoes sure. hit them. <laughs> sure, Uh So they're It's like the same about... thing with, like, you know, Hunt for an October. They, that, that's, you yeah. can get five tense minutes a scene, like, in, unlike Star Trek, where it's like photon torpedoes right. launched, boom, <laughs> everyone rocks around. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, it, it really helps to build that tension. Yeah, uh, and Avrasarla... so what happens when you don't have shields. Once we invent yeah. energy shields, it's going to take the tension out of battle scenes for sure. Because you can just take an arbitrary number of shots, and and who knows? 
Who knows whether the Enterprise can take one photon torpedo or ten? Yeah. It just depends what on the shield percentages. Like, like the Enterprise itself has a willpower and an endurance <laughs> and its sense of the dramatic opportunities. No shields, it's just like you hit and you're dead. Yeah. Uh, they, there are stealth ships to complicate the matter. But, ah. Uh, yeah, so the, Kotiar says, hey, we should go get the racing ship in the hangar bay, the Razorback. Uh, Arvisarla decides it's more important to get the logs of Aaron Wright's message to prove that he's a piece of shit when they get off the ship. And she sets the little pilot engineer guy to the Which, task. Which, holy shit, setting something up in season one to be the escape pod in season three, like the fact that they just throw in the fact that, Ju- oh, that there Julie is. was yeah. a racer and that's kind of, she spent a lot of her dad's money on that. And yeah. like, it makes perfect sense that her souped up hot rod would be in the launching bay of her father's flagship. Sure. Like, yeah. that's hell of a lot better than we never never even knew that Julie was a fucking racer until this episode <laughs> right. and Cotillard just dumps a bunch of like oh yeah she used to be an astronaut it's just uh-huh. it's cool it's cool it is and I really love the line from Bobby should I just pick her up like, yeah like, I mean, Christian, like, you <laughs> try it like Christian, that's why there's nothing Christian I do. love Christian but like yeah. you're 65 years old against the 19 year old in power armor <laughs> Bobby could yeah, break you in half. She doesn't right. even need any of that to break you in half. She's like six foot two and three hundred pounds. Like, yeah. yeah, but it's that's Christian. She's you know, uh, you kind of believe it because maybe maybe you're going to pick her up today, but tomorrow you're going to get assassinated by anti-Martian goo. Right? Like you just can't not take Christian seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me go over to Holden lamenting his habit of tilting at windmills to Prax, and Prax says, hey, you need to have some hope. Uh, Holden throws that right back at him, kind of with the May thing. Prax says, I gotta learn to live with not knowing what happened to May. It's very zen. Yeah. It's like I, May, I it's, mean, it's, it's... it almost feels like a false sense of zen to me, though, because like this character was so focused on that thing, and I I don't know what it is that changed his mind in in the seeing this proto-molecule being up close. I think that he saw the same thing that James was trying to convince him of, like the the inhumanity. That in like eyes. you saw his eye, and like that's where I think he eventually threw the torpedo because like he was holding it because he's expecting some recognition or some shared humanity, yeah. but all he saw was naked hunger mm-hmm. and instinct. So like again, not being explicit about it because I think that um, I think that Prax is kind of up in the air about how he feels about it too, but For he's sure. trying to get. I, and when I say Zen, it's like, I think it's his botany thing, because when we're first introduced to him, he's got like this angelic smile on his face as he's dealing with his green things growing on this inhospitable rock. And mm-hmm. he's like, the, the, they, they talk about how he's always got like this botany kind of quip or analogy. I think it comes from his, you know, just his general outlook on life. That's he he's It's a lifetime of, of getting this, and now he's trying to get back there, but... I mean, he's going to get quicker. He's going to be quicker to achieve a, a balance than like a guy like Amos, who never even tried. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a toddler he's learning a, to right. slam dunk a basketball. Right, 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 right. Where this guy's a monk who you know lost his daughter. Yeah, he's got the tools to 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 get back where he needs to be. I, I think it's hilarious when Holden says, "You really like botany metaphors, don't you?" Right, be- because especially. Okay, Holden, right back in your face. You really like Don Quixote references, don't you? You fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, come on, get, get a new <laughs> new bag of tricks, man. Uh, so then we go on to Joss Whedon wrote in that show there had been a there had been a long back and forth about who's got the, yeah. the bigger you know reference horror. Yep. Uh, so 
the the engineer guy gets the communications log module from the ship, and Bobby escorts him to the hangar bay. Uh, Kotiar says Bobby will fly Aversarla out when they realize that it's only a two-seater ship, but the door is locked, which kind of puts that off. Uh, Bobby tells them, stay put, and she runs off to do something. And there's also this really quick shot where she looks at her wrist that, in retrospect, is blaring, like, alarm symbols at her. And, like, when I rewatched this, like, they had that little scene where, like, kind of Bobby knows that she's going on a suicide mission, but she's a soldier, mm-hmm. and she's 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 got, a, she's got an objective, and that's what she's going to do. Or that it very likely could be a suicide mission. Like, right. she's not sure she has enough juice to get there. Right. And I, you know, as, as watching again, I... It would not have shocked me for Bobby to die. I mean, no, it would have genuinely shocked me, but in the way that, like, the show would would do. Yeah. Um, at some point, they're going to probably do the Game of Thrones thing where you boil down to an essential list where, like, maybe one will die a season, but I, I, don't, I feel like right now... Chop Holden's head off. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> just yeah, gets yeah, caught yeah. in the airlock door. just pops right <laughs> off. Uh, while they're playing the Reigns of Castamere. <laughs> uh, but, but, like, they're not there yet, and even then, like... It's always possible. Um, sure. But I also love, like, again, I, I love Christian, but her, like, you've done your planet a great service and Cote Arzani. Yeah, yeah. She says that to everyone. Uh, like, I, I fucking love that shit, man. These three right. have this just very funny, ironic, and foul mouth, uh, you know, easygoing way about them that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for. Speaking of loving things, uh, this next scene is maybe the best of the episode, in my opinion. Right. Um, where Alex sends a message to his family on Mars saying that he loves them, but not as much as he loves being in space. Essentially making a difference, you know, doing something he, he feels is important on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, just a phenomenal performance yeah. from the dude playing Alex. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about this scene. Like, it's, it's both tragic and also honest in a way that feels really good. Well, there's like I'm, I'm watching this show called Barry on HBO about. Are yeah, you yeah, watching that I, too? I am. Yeah. Well, there's this line where like a detective in the background is like weeping, and uh-huh. they're like, "What is this deal?" And they're talking about it behind his back, and they're like, "Oh, his wife just left him." And the like the chief of the squad is like, "Well, I called it. Like if if the if the department wanted him to have a wife, they'd have issued him one." Uh-huh. And it does seem like there are these jobs that just like. They grant like it, for, they for certain type of people it, it they they get addicted to it and get this rush beyond the just like your normal job satisfaction and mm-hmm. you know I don't know that it's bad or evil but it yeah. must suck to be their family members for sure and like um, this brutal honesty where it's like it doesn't mean that I don't love you very much I just this I love this thing more yeah this is my calling you know right. this is what I want to do with my life and which is I think his way of maybe setting them free like yeah, I, yeah. like I I love you but I love you so much that maybe I don't know I, I don't know where it, it's yeah, going it's a, it's a shitty thing to say that I, there there's something I love more than my wife and kid right but and it comes way too late. This yep. this conversation should have happened the day they met, essentially. But Alex didn't realize what right. his hang-up was then. Right. Uh, but it's something that needed to be said. It's good that it was said, right? Yes. Like, it's that the, can give her it's and, very, and the daughter some kind of closure. It's a very painful thing to say in here, but the mo- thing that would yeah. be more painful would be to continue to, like... And that's the thing. Absolutely. Is like, I've always wondered what the de- what Alex's deal was. Because mm-hmm. I think they've hinted it, and, you know, like, also stuff in season one is a little fuzzier for me. Um, yeah. But, like, the idea, like, I thought this was a great way to illuminate his character kind of let us know what's going on in his headspace and 
you know, kind of, I, I feel like I'm not going to wonder about his family and what their deal is now. Like, did they die? Did this go, you know, right. what's the deal? Like, it's a way to definitively put that into his past, unless they want to bring it back for dramatic purposes later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. I don't think Alex doesn't want to see his family when he can, when right. circumstances allow and things settle down. But right. for now, he's out in space. You know, he's out in the black. Mm-hmm. He's out in the churn. Yep. So... Uh, Avrasarla doesn't like the plan uh, that Kotiar has come up with, and she says as much. Kotiar tries to, I guess, calm her down, saying the union, the UN will never fire on their own ship, so he'll be all right when he stays behind in the dropship. Um, it, it, I don't know. Avrasarla doesn't quite seem like she buys it here. Yeah, they, they they do a really good job of. I'm not quite sure whether this is empty promises or and the Kotar essentially is, the is, yeah. is committing suicide. Right. Um, the fact that he is, tr- I think, trying to survive with the the drop ship and everything. But on the other hand, we see how badly Bobby's ship with like super fast engines takes a mauling from this explosion. Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee that lander slower. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh i just don't know and there's like the scene later on where she hands in the antibiotics and says don't forget where i feel like the character herself is trying to figure out are you trying are you committing suicide or Uh do you have long-term plans for survival and um and i think the fact that he forgot about the antibiotics suggests maybe he thinks this is going to be a suicide could be i hope he lives i hope he lives but it could go either way all right bobby punches through the hole and she climbs outside the ship, then makes her way inside the hangar bay to open the airlock from the other side. Uh, and there's some... This is kind of like intercut with a, a couple of other scenes right. of characters, but I wanted to do them all separately because it's easier that way. Yeah. Uh, th- there's some drama during it. <laughs> like her her mag hands start to fail. Right. Her suit starts to shut down, but comes back on right at the most opportune time, the right. last moment. I don't and now you actually have a handy like that gear stuff. of auxiliary power. Yeah, I, I think was, if I have one complaint with the episode, it's this. I was trying to figure, I'm like, okay, do I believe that there would be a momentary lapse of magnets if you switched over from the main system to the reserve battery? Maybe. Maybe. Because how can you instantaneously cut from one power source to the... I'm sure you can. See, like, I was under the impression technology. she was always on backup power. Oh, no, I think it's she, she ran out. Like, why oh, would she be? Okay. I mean... Because I thought I thought that the the electrocution, the EMP or whatever, oh. completely blew out the circuits for the oh, main power, oh, 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 and then she was on auxiliary power the whole time. Okay, I thought, no, which I, to me makes it even stupider. Okay. Like I could see if it was what you're saying. All right, yeah, if that's true, and I don't know that you can prove that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Then, who's right then on this. yeah, like, but I, I like because when if it, if it cuts over to auxiliary, then maybe for a second, and that's yeah. all you need when the ship sure. is flying away. Because that's yeah. the other thing is. They really sold me on the acceleration here. Yeah. Um, and, like, how she tried to, like, stand up and walk, and the sh- the, sh- the suit's retro thrusters were firing, and she's like, I got to fucking all... But, yeah, the scene of her almost blowing off the end of the ship and selling you on the terror of that yeah. and the desperation. Yeah. I, 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 decided to, I decided to believe the version that gives them the wiggle room to make it <laughs> okay. work. Okay, that's fair. Because I guess... You're right. That like her just grimly and and determinedly plowing against the inertia of the ship is plenty dramatic enough. Mm-hmm. Do you need to make it to where she's succeeding with one percent of the suit? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so we go to back to Holden, who realizes that there was an event at on IO 
which is a moon of Jupiter, at the same time that they killed the proto-being and the incident at Venus happened. Yep. Which means the proto-molecule is on Io, meaning there's another lab there. He kind of deduces all of this. It's hard to... And then... I, I don't remember exactly what they knew about the lab in season two. I don't think they knew anything. It's just that he saw that the protomolecule activated at these three yeah. points and that that coordinates on he IO, there linked. is a station that's built by Mao. Yeah. R- right. Also, Mao has a decommissioned refinery on the moon. It's all yep. coming together to make sense. Yep. And everyone agrees, except for Naomi, that they should go to IO to find May. And here's where it's like, I don't know how much percentage of this is... Holden, like, we have to tag you back. You cannot just mutiny essentially against a democracy that is the loose democracy that is our crew and and without paying a price. But also, it's like, I feel like he's like, you know, I don't give a shit. I do believe him saying I don't care about the protomolecule anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no use of containing it now. Um, And so, what is the best good we can do? And, like, I also believe that after does Io, he'd be willing to go to Tycho. But Naomi mm-hmm. needs to swallow. Also, I think it's he's trying to reveal that Naomi's maybe a little too tied up in the politics for this crew. Like, she's mm-hmm. going to have to decide, are, are you a fucking belter or are you the crew or the Rasanati? Yeah. Because we're trying to do what we want to do to survive, to help, to do, you know, whatever. And if you're wanting to put your thumb on one skate, because I'm an earther, this guy's a Martian, this guy's an earther, this guy's a belt. Like, Mm -hmm. if we all do, if we all just become fucking loyalists, then we're not even a crew anymore. So she needs to be taught this. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, Holden has this desire to do the right thing above all else. Um, That's kind of one of his character traits. And... Naomi here is showing that she doesn't have that same desire and she's not willing to follow him down that rabbit hole. And if someone in the crew isn't, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want them as crew. Yeah. And I think that that's the crew's decision, too. It feels like that this is a litmus test that they're instantly they get it and they're on board. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, I don't think I also say I don't think Naomi's position is irrational. Like sure, yeah. Like it's, the it's belters, are, the belters are getting shit on, uh-huh. and oh, by okay. both sides. Yeah. And I'm usually on the side of the little guy. And I think, Earth, like you know, if Earth and Mars would cooperate more, uh, and and be less exploitive and colonial towards the belters, none of this might ever happen. So like, yeah. she's <laughs> her her belter like help the belters out is not an irrational an irrational impulse. Totally, and I agree with that. But the thing I like about it is we have other characters doing yes. that. And and this crew here needs to be the voice of right. humanity, right. right? This needs to be the voice of good yep. pretty much at all times. And they can stray to the left or right of that. But I think keeping Holden on track as the good guy is yep. ultimately good for the show. Agreed. Uh, so we go to back to Johnson. He talks with Drummer. She tells him you chose. she chose to work with him um, and, and essentially like rescued him i guess from from his fate after like becoming the butcher you know um taking him in because he wasn't like dawes and now that he's working with dawes or trying to work with dawes she is having second thoughts about that uh she asks what the hell he wants and fred says they need to salvage the navu uh reasoning that once earth and mars finish fighting they'll need to be ready essentially implying hey we're gonna try and take our independence at that moment i mean he's got a good point we'll also have the most leverage ever and he's he's kind of cloaking it like when earth and mars bomb themselves back to the stone age will be also the only game in town yeah so we need like the, the outfit this thing as a warship i think it's smart and also i like the fact that she's like 
I still think you're the man that I thought you were, but I'm. This is like I'm putting you on notice. Yeah. If you don't fucking can, you know, if if you if you make my spidey sense go off one little bit, I'm jumping ship. Mm-hmm. Which feels like you know Fred being the military commander that's asking of his subordinate something that he knows they don't want to give, but he needs. Like it all. It I I thought it felt really organic and natural. Yeah. Uh, and then we go over to Bobby and Avrasarla taking off in the Razorback and Kotiar and the Engineer taking off in the dropship just before the torpedoes hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish... We talked a little bit about how much money we think or how much we think the budget has increased for this show mm-hmm. based on some of the things we've seen. The one thing I wish we would have seen is a little bit more uh, effect from the high G. Um, like in high G, you your skin yeah, deforms, no, right. and and it's not just a grunting sound. That you no, make. the actors and are trying to sell this. it by like you know giving themselves the like double chin, and some of them do it more. Like I don't think Christian has any interest at making herself the actress has any interest in making herself appear unattractive. And I wish that the like, digital effects guys had done that. Or, like, them. like get the actors in a centrifuge or something right. and film yeah. and did digitally. Like, there's a ways you could do it, but I don't know that every actor would be down with that. Um, and also, I don't know about putting, like, a 65-year-old woman in a right, centrifuge. That's what, that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. For health reasons. They sell it while Bobby's saying, you got to take off those big earrings yeah. and, and Kristen giving her shit about it. It's like, well, do what you want, but 7Gs will tear them off your head. Uh-huh. Uh, they So they tell you, but they can't, they're not quite convincingly showing it. Um, yeah. Which is the one problem I have. And they make a big deal in the books about how hard these, sure. how rough these hard burns are, specifically on Christian, because she's not used to them. Right, and she's, they got the chemical that probably is also not good to be shooting inside a grandmother. Right. Like, and she does freak out here. I kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. like when she feels that moment of thrust and goes, oh no, yeah. I can barely juice, handle this thrust. the juice thrust. starts hitting her, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, it was as well done as they could do, I guess, without getting crazy on the digital effects. But the whole Bobby desuiting, like Iron Man esque, uh, uh-huh. the launch yeah. sequence, the explosion, the debris, like all <laughs> that sure. shit was, was so very good. I guess if I, I if I can't see Christian's like skin slooping off of her skull, <laughs> then I'll, I'll take the other stuff. All right, uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, so this is the first real podcast we've done for The Expanse. Uh, if you are just joining us, know that we are an independent podcast, that uh, we do podcasts year-round on all kinds of different shows, uh, Some of the, covering some of the best of Golden Age television, including The Expanse now, Westworld, Game of Thrones, uh, Ton- Fargo, Fargo, Better Call Saul, Mr. Robot, a lot of yeah. that stuff that's going to be coming back later this year. Uh, we're year-round. We do a f- bunch of first-run movies. Uh, if you like our stuff, you can get more of it and help support us making podcasts at club.baldmove.com. Uh, coming out next week is our Let's Play of Life is Strange, the video game, Behind the Se- the Behind the Storm prequel. I think we're going to be wrapping that up. We also have extra bonus content, extra video and audio content, ad-free feeds. You don't have to listen to us hawk the club and other things like foam mattresses and luggage and razors and protein bars and... Uh, audiobooks and sex toys and Wait, what? Okay, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> okay, haven't done that yet. That's con- that, but they might be coming, and you don't want any part of it. Go to club.ballmove.com for a, a very small fee. You can make all that stuff go away and get lots of extra bonus Jim and Aaron content. Check it out, club.ballmove.com.
All right, let's get the feedback. Uh, you can send feedback into expanse at baldmove.com. And probably in the early days, uh, I'm pulling some stuff out of forums, too. There's always a weekly forum thread at forums.baldmove.com. Not anymore. I'm taking over. Oh. I'm taking over next week, so none of that shit's going to so make it So the evil gym may or may not, probably will not. Definitely will not. Definitely expanse will not. at baldmove.com is the only way to get your <laughs> feedback in. All right. Never mind. Expanse at baldmove.com. Uh, let's get started here. Michael S. said, really excited for your new, the new season and your full podcast. Thought I'd drop you a note while I'm listening to the preview. Uh, you mentioned the books aren't finished and there's a potential Game of Thrones syndrome, uh, but the author is pushing out a book a year. Maybe you're just extending professional courtesy. It's actually written by two authors under a pen name. So if either of you, if either one of them still wants more money, then the books will be written. If you're just extending personal... Is that how that works? Could I continue to do podcasts even if, like, under the bald move name, if you decided we're done? I think it's actually better than that. You could make a case that because in, in our Articles of Incorporation, both members have to make material contributions as defined as oh, money or time. you're my slave? Is that what you're saying? It's mutual. We're each, it's, it's, we're each other's slave. Like, if, any, if, huh. if either one of us stopped doing... I, you can make an argument the other one could be like, well, this guy's no longer making material contributions. Kick him out. Mm, I like There'd it. be lawyers involved. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be uh, ugly. It'd be a Mars Earth situation, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might have better warships. I have more of them. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's my first thought is if one of the creators just decided to do nothing, I would wonder what their contract is because I bet one guy could just fucking hold the thing hostage. To, to say, like, no, we're not doing these? Right. Probably. Right. Uh, and then, you know, again, I haven't seen their contract. I don't know what's between them, but that, that would be... So, so like, it's... I don't know. And, yeah. Or they might have, like, you know, the, the nine-book deal right. already negotiated, and right. it just needs to be written, and as long as one of them writes, it'll happen. Right. Uh, here's the thing. Like, in the next two years, I don't think... Both of them are going to get so bored that it's not going to happen. Also, yeah. I don't think both of them are going to die. Neither of them are super old, uh, as far as I'm aware of. And and yes, we we are aware it was not like this professional courtesy or anything that we were trying to extend them by saying James S. A. Corey uh-huh. wrote the books. That's just what I know them as. This has credited. And so, like, I'm going to use that term interchangeably with Dan and Ty. Uh, it's, right. it's just going to happen. Like, it, it's easier to say Corey. Then the do the writing duo of Dan and Todd, <laughs> like I'm right. not going to do that. So and, and and that's the thing is like that's how they ch- still choose to be credited on the books. Um, yeah. So like I kind of default to, like you know it's easy to find out you know the real name of actors and singers and stuff. But like I always think it's kind of weird when people are like you know real you know it's like it feels a little show offy. Like James S. A. Yeah. Corey, real life to do. I was like, it's like that's also it's both common knowledge and also not how they've decided to be credited for the joint project. So I don't know. It's it's weird. As a person who uses a pseudonym myself, it's like yeah. I don't know. Like if if they decided like, hey, we want to make a point of like wanting to be discussed when we're talked about as people separately, but then when mm. you're referring to the author to book, like you could make the argument that they've since regretted and changed that um, yes because they're not going by james s.a Corey in the tv production of, right of the fiction or so, it's another one like stephen king writes rick richard bachman right i think he had a reason for that in the beginning 
but now it's like it's an open it's an open secret. Same thing with like mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling when she wrote under a pen name when she did other non uh, Harry Potter stuff. Hmm. Um, I think she did that because she wanted to see if she could just write something and be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, and then she got like I, I so it's like I I don't know people have all kinds of different reasons and I kind of default to be like well this is how it's credited so. But yes, I was aware that it was actually two two authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're you seem like you're much since you're the un, you're the spoiled person. You seem like you're you're paying attention to like that behind the scenes stuff a lot more. Where I'm more of like I'm concerned that I'm going to get spoiled if I del- delve too deeply. Oh yeah, I have no compunctions about like listening to the podcast and all that stuff. Uh, he continues about the. Uh, the accents on Mars. Uh, the accent is not merely an effect. What happened in the books is that Mars is heavily settled by Pakistanis and Texans. Mm. The authors did this with the idea that Texas and Pakistan have strong frontier spirits. Uh, but while they're different groups on Mars, there's a distinct Paki Texas Texas Paki culture on Mars. Okay. I mean that makes sense. I will say that like when my wife and I were watching this episode, we started my my wife who doesn't give a fuck about spoilers either was like looking into the actor who portrays drummer mm-hmm. and she's a Canadian yeah. who has like a very stereotypically Canadian accent. And I would have bet money that she was like from South Africa or something. Right. And she's doing a really good. And it seems like Naomi is an English actor mm-hmm. and she is doing just essentially a sort of posh English accent. And yeah. Lane Price is doing the Belta Loda Creole, but with a very English pronunciation. And it is, I do wish, like, I think it's cool that Martians in a certain region have a Texas accent because Chinese and Indian people migrated there and English was the lingua franca. So, and it was all a bunch of Texans. So everything has a little of a Texas twang. I think that's yeah. cool. I just, and I, I like that they pay attention to the accents and accent work and the Creole belter language i wish it was a little bit more like it was a little bit more consistent yeah it's man that's tough though because you got to have like yeah really good actor training yeah like dialogue coaches and stuff and accent coaches and like my my wife's even's like you know also like 400 years into the future english would probably sound different like think about Mm -hmm. english in chaucer's time or shakespeare time versus now and i'm like i guess that makes sense, but you'd have to subtitle everything. Uh-huh. Like, like it would be like, like it's it's like I kind of watching... like that they don't subtitle the the Belters, right? Honestly, like... right. But but there's a point where like when you get to like Cloud Atlas, where you know Tom Tra- Tom Hanks is talking about the true true behind the true true, like it oh, gets Jesus. a little ridiculous. Yeah. So, it... Shaka when the walls fell. Yes, <laughs> that kind of shit. Exactly, exactly. Uh, finally, Michael says, "I know you talked about Amos' character changing after talking with the amoral scientist." I have a theory that's been lightly hinted at, but during his shore leave after that, he himself may have had his morality removed. I'm not set on this. I don't remember it from the first couple of books I read, but I think it was meant to be considered. I feel like... Is that mildly this, interesting? It, so I I actually really like that, that idea, um, but I feel like this episode does a lot to disprove that. Yeah. With his loyalty switching from Naomi... Uh, to wherever his loyalty lies now, within himself, right. within Holden, who knows? But yeah, I'd, I can't see it. Now. I think it's a cool theory, but I my interpretation is his brush with the scientist was a formative event where he's like, oh, yeah. "Wow, I could have this useless thing removed from me. How awesome would that?" But then the rest of the season and seeing how the evacuation of uh, shit, what was the asteroid? Um, 
all the different Heroes. things that, that happened with the uh, this relief ship and choosing between Naomi uh, and James and all that. Like, I, I feel in this episode especially, it's more his arc is finding his own conscience and his own um, his his own morality and ethics. I think that'd be more interesting than just uh, even more a moral version of Amos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Amos fan. Uh, Brian S., who you may better know as Texas Sandman from the forums. Just watched the season one episode where our heroes changed the transponder's name for the first time. It's a great contrast to how it went the second time. The first time was so chaotic and tense, they can't mess up or we explode. Well, this time, just no big deal. <laughs> uh, Amos continues to be just the best. I'm glad to see him be the captain of his own ship and not blindly stick by Naomi. Agreed. Loved how the whole crew basically gave Naomi the middle finger when they all decided to go to the science station for Prax. Uh, Prax may be unseating Amos as the best character for me. His botany oh. wisdom is on point and gets me every single time. I'm also looking forward to an exciting season where Jim can pick up the mildly interesting mantle. Remember, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. It's true. I'll try not to overuse it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, Prax is a great character. I I didn't like I, him I haven't at first. formed the connection with Prax yet that the show wants me to, I think. Right. And also, I just didn't... I didn't um, I didn't like him at first because he was more seemed like a foil than an actual character. It was interesting, and some of the stuff, some of the material they gave him to work with, I don't know, it was the best last year. But mm-hmm. like uh, towards the late last season, and how well he seems to be meshing with the crew this year, I'm I'm yeah. very encouraged. I like it. Warming up to him, not my favorite yet. Ben T from the UK. Uh, firstly, I want to say I'm really glad to see you guys doing weekly pod in the series. I value and appreciate your take on something I'm watching and getting into. Thank you very Thank much. You. A couple of quick thoughts to drop. Miller, I read an article where the showrunner stated that he waited as long as possible to kill off, in quotes, James or Thomas James' character because he was so good on the show and a real professional. The showrunner is, in quotes, is saying his character is dead. But for me, he was my favorite character, especially when you saw him evolve. Hell yeah. Literally got the protomolecule in and started evolving. <laughs> yep. Uh, that being said, I never really understood what his fascination was with Julie Mayo Mao. He fell in love with her. He like fell in love with the story. He fell in love with her. In the books, it is, I think, handled much better. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I will have to say, actually, rewatching season one, knowing what I know now about the the thoughts in Miller's head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for those signs. I'm starting to see them a lot more. Right. Um, it's the same with Westworld. Like, I go back and I'm watching season one again, and I'm saying, oh, wow, they laid these tracks mm-hmm. immediately. Right. And, and I feel like they're doing the same with Miller. I just didn't notice it in the first watch. Yeah, and I guess I always thought, chalked up to Don Quixote, that, like, this is a fool tilting at windmills and chasing yeah. on missions that weren't real. And his love, I, I never thought his love for Julia was real. It was all, like you know unrequited one-sided puppy love and my when he found her as the proto julia i i i felt like he does you know he didn't really know or love or care about the real julia and now the real julia is gone i don't know i get to me that's that i'm fine with thinking that was all bullshit and fake like Mm -hmm. it's that's a that's a tragic story of a broken man trying to find something that gives him comfort and it's not even real yeah and it, uh, and it cost him everything, too. Like right. That's the right. even more fucked up thing. Right. But he might have saved Earth by making that yeah. human, like, even a false human connection is still. So, like, I, I, there's a lot of different ways you could spin that, and I don't know which way they're going to, or even if it'll be a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I thought it was it was cool, even if it was unrealistic. Um, what do you, What is your pers- uh, position on Thomas Jane's character, Miller, being actually dead? 
mildly interesting. Mildly interesting. I mean, I can't. I literally I can't right. speculate. Like, I'm in book three uh, I, at this point. I, there are four more books to right. read. I don't fucking know. Like, like, I mean, I would accept his character being gone for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. I would, I would accept it being a, he. There's a distinct fragment of the proto molecule that maintains a Miller quality. Mm-hmm. I would accept uh, him and Julia forming a hive mind with the other assimilated creatures and it becomes like a off weird offshoot fragment uh borg fragment of humanity like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of possibilities i'm like oh no there's no way yeah when it comes to miller and the proto molecule uh let's see jay hernandez he started the first season as miller's partner an actor i have a lot of affinity for throughout his career starting with the old teenage classic series hang time where the hell is this guy I know he got crucified back in series, but I never saw him die. I've watched the series twice now, and unless I've never, unless I've never, wait, unless I've really had a moment where the, what the hell? Well, I he said he's essentially in. Yeah, he, yeah. he says he he has a hard time saying that a character that great would be written off the show. Um, do you have any insight about whether he would return, Jim? Uh, from what I remember, he was like impaled and then ended up alive, and then was like in the hospital and i i think like that's around the time the miller got fired and so we yeah. kind of just lose track of him and everybody in star helix the real problem is in this universe medical technology is so good that it seems like if people find you and you're still breathing and even maybe within five ten minutes after that mm-hmm. you can be healed from almost anything right fatal even radiation at a cellular po- level, yeah, yeah. radiation poisoning <laughs> like Okay, I like like I like it. I, I I believe it. They got a tricorder they inject under your skin and it filters out the radiation. Whatever, right? So like, to me, that says that the impulse of golden age television dramas that has taught us if you don't see a character dying, then they're probably still alive. Mm-hmm. They could they could do a lot with that. But on the other hand, since they can, maybe they shouldn't. Yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I I've only watched like. Rewatched the first few episodes of season uh-huh. one, so also I couldn't tell you if he's is in he season bi- two. Is he a bigger name than Jonathan Banks? Mm, probably not. Jonathan Banks, I is is dead, right? Yeah. Like so, episode he, one, he's yeah. not floating around in space, right? Like the mm. show is not afraid to take established characters and and because I thought like when I first sat down to watch, like oh Jonathan Banks is going to be like a captain that's losing his mind. That's got that's 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 yeah. a side I haven't seen him before. He's stomping around in dirt. And he's dead. He's dead minutes later. Uh-huh. So it's possible he's just dead. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Steven Strait, a.k.a. Space Jon Snow. I'm curious what you both think on this topic. I've watched the opening credits of the season, and I always love the opening. Uh, I always love the open, watching the opening credits. And all of a sudden, Steven Strait appears as a producer. When did this power play come? Does Space Jon Snow have the most fierce agent in history? <laughs> I can only read into this and to quote an NFL term that he is the face of the franchise. I don't necessarily agree with it, uh, but uh, what? So my my thought on that is a producer is just a credit, man. Yeah, like, it's a courtesy extended. It's a prestige thing. It it sometimes gives you more points on the front end or back end or rear end or whatever Hollywood bullshit there is. I wouldn't read too much into it. And we're, look, we're living in a universe, a reality where Dean Kane is a producer of a TV show. Like, I, is that true? Uh, he's certainly a producer. I don't know about a TV show, but he's produced things. Like, producer 
can be given as a title for a lot of different reasons, like you said. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that they have any more or less involvement in the show than any other actor. They just, for whatever reason, were able to negotiate it. So, uh, yeah, maybe he does have, like, just Jeremy Piven for an agent. I don't know. <laughs> actual Jeremy Piven. Not, not, Jeremy not his Piven, character yeah. in Entourage, yeah. Uh, Fernando R., better known as Fern, NYC17 on the forums. I like the first episode. Lots of things happening everywhere. Very similar to the Game of Thrones show. Uh, this does a good job of showing multiple storylines at the same time and keeping the viewer engaged with each story. My question is, where's the Mars perspective? I know this is season one, and they let uh, left them mysterious and hidden, and in season two is a slow build to the Bobby storyline. Uh, but in this episode, we see Earth's POV with the president of the UN, the belt with Fred Johnson, and of course Christian and the Rossiante crew, but no Mars. Do you think there just wasn't enough time, or do they want to keep them mysterious, or do you agree, and would you like to see some Mars POV? Um, so we got a little bit of that early on, and I think Alex is somewhat a proxy for that. Right. Um, but not so much. I, I but, think but there's a lot more story to tell. Alex here. is kind of a Mars apostate. Like, Mars is all about terraforming. Like, they're all about this generational yeah. plan to terraform Mars, and Alex doesn't really want to be part of that. He wants to be a space jockey. Yeah, but he thinks like a Martian, right? Like, I guess that's true. In as much as Naomi thinks like a belter. Uh, that's he, true. He he can't excise that from his personality, even if he disagrees with their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the story is still young, and mm-hmm. there's still time to bring in new perspectives, and I imagine they'll probably get there at some point. A counterpoint to Game of Thrones is we've gotten seven seasons without getting any perspective from the White Walk from the the primary antagonist <laughs> has no POV. Yeah. So it could be that Mars is kind of the big bad or the other in the situation mm. and just you know like like the Belters are the I don't know, Bravosi and Earth is Westeros and we just don't get the other's perspective. Yeah. Uh, it's always something that is being reacted to and it's unpredictable and they're moving the plot forward. I could see that working. But I'll, yeah, I could I I would I would like to see mm-hmm. uh a Mars plot. I would like to see like it'd be really interesting. I mean, Bob, what about Bobby? Bobby is to to a large degree. But she's also a Mars, a Mars apostate now too. Yeah, yeah. Like she's it's not, seen Earth, she's seen the fruits, the bounty. And, and she's seen that Mars can be just as, you know, distrust for dishonorable, distrustworthy and you know, problematic is the earth politicians as well. I think it'd be interesting to see like Earnwright if he, by eliminating his Martian rival, who was the devil he knew, like if there's more of a hardliner that takes on Mars (laughs) and he's actually caused a bigger crisis. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we get to see his POV. Like I said, I've got a lot of faith in the show and how they're running it. So, I do note the absence of a truly Martian first kind of perspective, but yeah, I'm I'm not bothered by it right now. Uh, Sir Farah says, uh, "We think, or I guess he thinks that Aaron Wright is desperate now that his plan to kill Mao and Avasarala fell through. It was a masterful setup, but in my opinion, dumb to leave all that comms evidence. Hmm. I is it dumb?" Because this guy is essentially pulling plots in real time out of his ass that if he messes up, he's dead. Uh Like, if this plan had gone to plan, that whole ship is destroyed. Right. And all, all, like, like, it's only because his improvised plan has had a few hitches that this is even an issue. Mm -hmm. And it still should be something he can contain. I don't know if it's dumb. It's, it's... 
It wasn't a perfect plan, but again, he hatched it. He was going. So there's, there's a debate in the forums. I the way I understood Aaron Wright's plot last year is that he did plan to commit suicide out of disgrace, but at the last moment saw Christian on Mao's transport. Uh, an opportunity to kill his political rival and to have the old, the sole possession of the protomolecule and simultaneously clean up all of his loose ends because the only one that knew that he was an asshole, everyone that knew that he was an asshole and the Earth and Mars were jockeying for his prototype was on that shuttle and could be killed. Uh, so he went from committing suicide to being the the most powerful man in the solar system in like the span of a single episode. Hmm. It doesn't That's surprise me. That's got to be the me. reading because the this, this scene with this kid makes no sense if... right. If that's not true. Right. So I guess my final analysis is I don't think it's stupid that his improvised plan has some problems with it. Mm -hmm. Just like Christian's. Like, it's phenomenally stupid what Christian did at the end of last season. But she didn't know that, you know, uh, what's his face? But Aaron Wright's going to be a shit weasel. Uh So should have suspected it. She raised him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third man, a very good first episode, quite dependent on the viewer having complete understanding of the world in the prior two seasons. I, for one, found that refreshing. No gratuitous exposition or wasted moments and a lot of setup for a short and long term. I did think that like, I had really prepped and, and I felt like I had a command of the material, but I thought that the previously on, the three-minute previously on play did a really good job if you were fuzzy or were just coming back with nothing but excitement for a third season, did a really good job yeah. of refreshing you on what is going on and what has gone on. And I would almost say, like, the same about the previously on. Like, you mm-hmm. needed some working knowledge of the show to get a lot out of that previously on because there's a lot of stuff that they – Refresh your memory on if you knew it already, right? But they don't explain it exactly to you, which I I like. There's like there's like like I told Jim, but a new viewer might not. I told Jim you can jump in on season two of Atlanta without seeing season one, uh-huh. uh huh. Because season one kind of began in the media, in the middle of all these things, and you know, like it's 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 not as t- it's more character and situational than it is like plot driven. Uh, but like Expanse, there's no fucking way. You can't come into season three, watch a three-minute trailer, and be good to go. You might be able to struggle and fumble and, and get caught right. up, but but yeah, I, I'm with you. If you've seen the, the episodes uh, once before, that did a good job of catching you back up. Uh, let's see. Perfect. A short-term example of this phenomenon, the third man continues, is Christian Cotillard getting the record of Aaron Wright's message before they left Mao's ship. And a long-term example clearly being Alex's message sent home. Also, I think they set up Amos's understanding of the rightness of finding Prax's daughter in season two, and the tipping point obviously being Naomi's revealed secret. Amos probably still needs that guide star, but there are signs he's trying to make better decisions on his own. I thought it was great stuff. Prax and I have a lot to do in episode one, but Io will be a watershed for his character. I don't even know that I agree about that Prax point. He 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 did he na- he named the ship, and he was the fulcrum for the crew. Kind of coming, you know, like like putting Naomi in her place. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this, ep- without absent Prax, this episode would have been radically different for sure. Yeah. So I, to me, that's, he's, he's doing a lot, even though, yeah, you're right. A lot of the action, all the, it seems like all the action on board of Rossinati is pivoting around him. Yeah. So, uh, that's up to feedback. We've got again, send it into expanse at baldmove.com. You can also discuss it with your fellow fans on the forums each week. There's a thread, forums.baldmove.com yeah you can also follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at or slash baldmove as the case may be 
Uh, I was super thrilled with this uh, uh, this episode. We have got something kind of exciting. We don't usually get screeners for TV shows, mm-hmm. but we were able to get screeners for the first two episodes of the Expanse, and our, our intention is to have next week we're going to have our analysis of the second episode drop at the same time the actual episode of the expanse drops. So you'll be able to hear essentially all of our takes minus feedback. Uh, as soon as the episode it's going to be, it, it drops, it's going to be ready to go. And then two days later, we'll have a special feedback only part, a companion part of the podcast. And if we can continue to get screeners throughout the season, which we're unclear if that's going to be the case, hopefully so, we'll continue to do that throughout the season, that the the primary podcast will drop with the show, and then we'll have a feedback wrap-up podcast each week on Friday. Uh, if not, we'll continue to have both show, both parts combined on Friday, but next week for sure. Uh, Wednesday, when it airs, we'll have the podcast, and we'll have a feedback. Send the feedback in expansiveballmove.com. Anything else, Jim? No, I think that's it. All right. We'll see you next week. Uh, Till then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later. Later.